Hi everybody, I'm Melinda Gallant, and I want to welcome you to another Cape Conversations. We've got a great show today. I have another candidate for State Senate. Oh, and he's a nice man, and he's a little bit on the younger side, which I think we need in our politics today. So come along, let's have another Cape Conversations. Hi, everybody. Well, I've got a wonderful person on my show today. He's running for the state senate. He's a very nice man. He's young. That's what we need. We need youth. We need a lot of youths. That's what we need, especially on Cape Cod, and we all know that. Thomas Moakley, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me I'm on. so excited you're here. And he actually, you actually came to my house and knocked on my door. That's right. That's how we set this up. I know. And I went, wait a minute. We've been trying to get a hold of you. That's right. <laughs> That's great. So uh, so I, he, he actually does knock on doors. I do. I mean, it's been the most effective way of campaigning. I mean, right. it's just making a human connection with someone is more sure. powerful than any ad you can buy right. or any mailer you're going to be able to send right. out. Right. So, I'm lucky enough to have some people working on the campaign and have volunteers, in addition to myself, knocking doors across the district That's every day. That's great. That's great. So, once again, because I've done some other candidates, mm -hmm. this is for the district that includes yes. Falmouth, Bourne, Sandwich, Sandwich Plymouth, Plymouth, Kingston, and, and Pembroke. Pembroke. Yeah, it's a very and unusual district. It's a very un somebody was drunk when they decided to draw <laughs> that district, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, last time they redesigned the Senate districts, they made a decision, which makes a lot of sense in a lot of circumstances, uh -huh. where s state house seats break up towns, and so yeah. you'll have state rep seats that are like, you know, precinct such and such of yeah. this town, precinct such and such of that town. Right. They decided with the Senate districts, they're going to keep towns together. Oh, well, that, that was good. So you had to, they sort of had to pick and choose which way they were going to go with oh, these districts I in order see. to get them all around the same number of voters. Okay. Well, just so you know, you're the first person that's explained that to me because I really didn't understand why it was that way because Pembroke and Sandwich don't have a lot in common. So it makes it more difficult for you mm -hmm. as a candidate, I would think. Although, you're from the Cape. I am. I'm from Falmouth, born and raised. Uh, my mom was also uh, from Falmouth. My family first originally came to Cape Cod after the Second World War. Uh -huh. My great-grandfather, Colonel Everett Fennell, which is Ooh, a, it's great a great name, name. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, if you ever have kids, you'll name them Everett. <laughs> yeah. My, my cousin already beat me to it, oh, actually. But uh, I consider it. It's a good middle name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, but he was stationed as the as wing commander at Otis. and. Uh -huh. the, he and my great-grandmother chose to settle in Falmouth, and my mom's family's been here ever since. Oh, wonderful. And then on my dad's side, uh, the Moakleys were in South Boston since the potato famine up until my dad got a job as a uh, NOAA Corps officer in Woods Hole. Oh, my gosh. Yep. My mom was involved in uh, theater. Yeah, uh, Falmouth actually, Theater Guild. The Falmouth Theater Guild. Yeah, yeah she's the treasurer right now, actually. But, right. Um, she had they studied. just turned me down for a show, so oh, no. just so you, yes, so I'm very upset. No, I'm what, not. What role? To, as an actor or director? No, as a director of a show. I wanted to do Catch Me If You Can, which is the show oh, about the, Frank yeah. Abagnale Jr.? Yeah, yeah, it's a great show, but they chose other ones. That's the way it goes. Is it? Is that a musical? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, yep, I would definitely yep, yep. like to see that. Yeah, yeah, Are you yeah. going to see uh, Assassins? In, uh, uh, I will Army? see it. Yeah, I am going to see Assassins, but I'm directing the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee at Katuit, so. I'll have to check I, that out, too. Yes, I you remember. will. It's very funny. When I was in high school, I did um, a 
the 24-hour festival at oh, Kachua, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, as an actor, and yeah. uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I bet it was. I bet. But well, so I always ask the candidates this, why in the heck are you doing this? I mean, you could be out having a good time, you know? Mm -hmm. You could be living in Boston, living the high life. Well, who's loft. to say that running for office isn't fun? <laughs> no. Well, that's true. Well, at least on beautiful days, like it was when I was knocking doors in your neighborhood. It yes, wasn't. it was a nice day. But uh, I, I decided to run for this office. I mean, I, I didn't know that this opportunity was going to come. Senator mm -hmm. DiMacito um, made the decision to resign in mid-October. I know, And it was late. within a week that I decided I was going to do it. Wow. I was working full-time for the district attorney and uh, putting myself through the evening program at Suffolk Law School. Mm -hmm. And I decided to um, take a leave, leave of absence from from that and jump into this race with both feet. I'm doing that because I think the issues most important to our community and that have become tragically personal to so many of us are also disproportionately affecting young people. Things so like climate change and the opioid epidemic. Those are your two big issues. Yes, I mean, that, those. They're pretty big. They are, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean they're really, they're really ur urgent issues that require immediate action yesterday, right. in my opinion. Right, right. But, um, you know, a lot of people had been been bemoaning the apathy among young people about government, especially on the Cape where there's a lot of uh, older people. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of boards and commissions that have open seats, and I think that young people should start thinking about getting involved in those things. And whether or not I win, uh, if we can just engage young people and and anybody who realizes that mm -hmm. we need a, you know some different voices at the table, then it will mm -hmm. be a success. Well, I I don't quite under I don't understand that. Um, I ran a shopping center for a long shopping centers for a long time, but I also sat on a lot of boards of mm -hmm. nonprofits, and it was always difficult to get—I don't know—you can call them millennials back then. It might have been Gen Xers too—to want to take a little bit of something and give it back right. to the community because they didn't feel. I—I I don't know whether it was because they didn't feel a sense of community mm -hmm. or whether. They just, I, I don't know what it was, but right. it was always difficult to get even, because I do theater things, you know, even getting them to come to art openings or, right. and you would think that would be something that they would kind of glom after, but right. they didn't. And I mean, on Cape Cod, I think we have an unusually strong community here. There's so many, right. I mean, the spirit of charity and the spirit right. of volunteerism is really strong around mm -hmm. here. And in my experience as a, as a Boy Scout, I'm an Eagle Scout and, mm -hmm. um, and I was a student representative to the Falmouth School Committee, and I was the inaugural recipient of the Falmouth Democrats uh, Falmouth Goldstein Scholarship. You know, wow. I'm no stranger to being the youngest person in the room. Right. But that's because I've never wanted to live anywhere else. I right. love my home, and right. that's why I want to give back to it. But I mean, this comes up in the context of addiction as well, because addiction is a disease of despair, mm -hmm. and that's because so many young people feel like. You know, there's no jobs around here for them. Mm -hmm. There's no community around here for mm -hmm. them. A lot of people just feel lonely. Mm -hmm. They feel like there's no opportunity for them in the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly very few opportunities for them to ever own a house because mm -hmm. of the rising costs of housing around here. So, I mean, this is all linked together. Mm -hmm. But I think if we can engage people with um, not only this campaign, but with all the other wonderful programs that are going on in the Upper Cape, then you know that's one step towards uh, getting young people involved, and maybe solving a problem in the in the meantime, right? Absolutely. Um, so, speaking of solving a problem, what? How would you solve the opioid crisis? I mean, I think there, 
I mean, I think putting some of the pharmacy people in jail is a good thing. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're and right about that. And the doctors over-prescribe. Mm -hmm. um, how else would you? Right. There, there's no magic bullet, but I think there's a lot of things we can do. Mm -hmm. In addition to holding pharmaceutical uh, companies responsible for mm -hmm. uh, essentially providing magnitudes that a human would never need unless they're uh, in a terminal illness, right. um, and obviously there should be exceptions for that. Um, I think we also need to start regulating the sober homes in Massachusetts, only about 30% of which are really regulated. What do you mean by regulated? Uh, making sure that these facilities are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Oh. Um, I mean, you... I assume they had to be regulated to be a sober home. They don't. Anybody can just open the doors and say, I'm a sober home? Essentially. Wow. That, that's what's happening. And um, people who struggle with addiction are grouped together in those circumstances so that they can heal together. But what's happening is they're... Um, falling down back into the throes of addiction together. You walk past a sober home on a recycling day and you see nips and uh, empty alcohol bottles in the trash. Right. You know, right. you don't want to see that. No. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is seeking parity between mental health and physical health oh, that's true. In, in terms of health care. Because mm -hmm. whether you have good health care or bad health care, people aren't getting equitable treatment because right. the few facilities that do have openings mm -hmm. will try to hold on to people who have good health care right. because you know they're covered well and that means everybody's going to get paid right. um, which is understandable but right. then the people who don't have good health care have no place to go so I mean you cut your finger you need you know you need to go to the emergency room right you feel like you're in the throes of addiction or that one of your loved ones is in danger of anything like that, where do you go? A lot of people don't know the answer to that, mm -hmm. and even those who do might not be able to get in. Right. So I think we need to invest in community mental health clinics as well. Well, before we started, I told you, um, you talked about climate change, and I told you about how people um, in Sandwich, or some people in Sandwich, we have to have a new boardwalk, mm -hmm. or at least a redesigned, re-engineered boardwalk, so it doesn't wash away all the time or, or turn out like this, which is what happens, right. you know, it lists one way or the other. Uh, and it's been here a long time. It's an iconic part of the community. It's just, you know, we just have to keep it. Right. So everybody, their hair caught on fire when they said it was going to be, they wanted to raise it five or six feet mm -hmm. above the marsh. And then, well, you can't do that. It'll lose its charm. But I don't think these people go down twice a month and see those huge tides that come in mm. that cover it all up. And I wonder what the response was when this version of the boardwalk was first built, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Probably, I'm sure it was. It was probably a big, big deal then. Right. But, but I mean, as, as climate change progresses, mm -hmm. what we're going to see in this area is that the climate is going to be getting warmer and wetter. Right. That our storms are going to become more intense and more frequent. Right. And the Sea level rise is just one part of the issue. Sea level rise, which is caused both by the melting of the polar ice caps and by just thermal expansion of the ocean itself, which right. absorbs most of the Earth's uh, heat. Yeah. So the rate of that is about one inch per 10 years, but that's only one of the many effects of climate change that we're gonna see, including ocean acidification, the loss and migration of fish stocks, which we've already seen around yeah, here. That's already happened. But I mean, when we're talking about climate change, there's really two prongs that we need to be approaching it by which is mitigation from uh, where do we get our energy, mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we harvest our resources in a smart mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And then there's the resiliency aspect of it, mm -hmm. which is about thinking forward. 
And when we're building new infrastructure, we have to be thinking 50 or 100 years ahead, or else it's only going to be the taxpayers who are losing money when these things have to be rebuilt, mm -hmm. you know, in the event of a storm or what have you. Right. Well, I sit on the bridge committee for the Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce, mm -hmm. the two new bridges, um, which has its own controversy a little bit. Right. Um, and hopefully the Corps of Engineers will step up and do their part, the federal government. Uh, but there are a lot of people who don't understand why we need those bridges. And, you know, repairing them every six months right. and closing down a lane is not a good thing. So those, those bridges were built during the New Deal. Right. You know, fr Franklin Roosevelt, who, by the way, ran for state senate in his 20s in New York. There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, when the nation was in the throes of one of our most dire economic crises, mm -hmm. he said, well, let's invest in our infrastructure and let's right. invest in our environment with right. the Civilian Conservation Corps. You know, and we're sort of reaching a period like that, not necessarily economically, but where we need to decide what's important to us. You know, and there's nothing that serves the community more than those bridges. Right. I mean, without them, we would be captive on the <laughs> island. <laughs> right, right. right. But We'd all have to get a boat. Right. But I think it's a great opportunity um, mm -hmm. to not only bring jobs to the district in the creation of those bridges, mm -hmm. but also to think about, well, what sort of structures do we want there? Right. We could talk yeah, about something like uh, more and an, another rail line there. We can talk about bus lanes and bike right. lanes. And even though it's a federal government project, I'm hoping that the local community has a strong input on not only what sort of bridges they're going to mm -hmm. be, but how they're going to be built. Too. Oh, I, and, and I think it's so far the core to me, and I'm just one little teeny, teeny person in the middle of all this stuff. Um, it seems like they, they understand we, there's a big issue, mm -hmm. and they understand that it has to be taken care of sooner as opposed to later. And they also seem very open to, to some ideas because our, our lifestyles are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, as you said, bike lanes and, you know, uh, we do have the railroad bridge, so I don't know that they'd ever replace that since it's so unique. Right. <laughs> maybe but would. maybe start using a little bit may, more. Yeah, and that's right. certainly, it'd be nice to have commuter rail. Um, anyway, so uh, you've got a name. Did you know your name was pretty famous? Well, I didn't really anticipate how much the work of my great uncle, Joe Moakley, who was a congressman in Boston. Right. Uh, resounds even down in this district. Oh my too. goodness, everybody kn knew him. I mean, it was, it's a right. big deal. I mean, he is certainly one of my primary inspirations for getting involved in politics. My family is involved in public service, mostly, um, you know, through in the service or as um, state police officers mm -hmm. or one thing or another, volunteering. Mm -hmm. But um, he, was, he was the last Smokley to hold elective uh, office. Right. And the biggest lesson that I learned from him is that the most powerful tool that a legislator has is credit. There and you if go. you're willing to give up credit, you can get anything done. That's <laughs> the kind of senator that I want to be. Excellent. Then that's you know, good. He was also first elected to the state legislature oh, at really? the age I am, which is 25. Is that right? Yep. From right. up there, though? From yeah. From right. the, he was uh, Milton? No. Uh, South Boston. South Boston. Yep. Excellent. We've, uh, we've actually got from when he was in the state senate, I've got a tie bar that says, uh, Senator Moakley with the um, Commonwealth oh, seal on it. Oh, nice. And you know, in the Moakley family, we believe in recycling. There you so, go. <laughs> you know. But plus, what a, what a treasure to have, though. I mean, Absolutely. Sure. I mean, not, like I said, even just knocking on doors in the district, I hear more stories almost every day about how sure. he touched their lives, you know, including a, um, a woman who was having trouble getting um, her U.S. citizenship. Mm -hmm. And 
it was just backlogged and backlogged. So Joe sent one of his uh, staff members with her to the JFK building in uh, Boston where they where the State Department's Boston office is and just sat with her from office to office, you know, and saying, well, I'm with Congressman Moakley's office and we're here helping so-and-so help. Right. You know, and they just went from to all the different things and just took that extra time to care about one person. Right. You know, and I think that's really important. Well, it is because one person becomes many after a while. Exactly. Um, so how do you, how, how are you going about? Okay, so I'm gonna say it, you're young. You went to Georgetown, right? Yes. Which is pretty cool. Yes, a I great, love Yeah, great school, and, and certainly um, in the thick of things mm -hmm. uh, with Washington nearby. Right. Um, so how are you gonna, how, are you, how do you feel like when you first get into the office, what's the first thing you're going to do? The first thing I'm gonna do I think I'll probably sign on to the climate change bill that the Senate just put forward. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's a fantastic start to uh, all the changes we have to make. Um, I'm going to sign on to the Roe Act. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to uh, essentially make sure that my constituents know that my door is open mm -hmm. and that it doesn't matter how you voted uh, or anything like that, that I'm here to help you. So I want to be that kind of constituent service representative. Will you hold office hours in the various towns? Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great way mm -hmm. that a lot of legislators stay connected with their communities, either in the library, or the post offices, whatever's uh, convenient for people. Sure. One thing that Joe did, he had a um, the 9th Congressional District mobile office, which was just one of those sort of mini camper things, like the silver <laughs> bullet style trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. would just bring it around to the, uh, you know, the suburban cute. towns that they I mean, had not there. only that, but it's something you'd remember, too. Absolutely. It's, a, it's, a great, it's great for the next campaign. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. He also would make a habit of going down on Sundays to read the paper at Castle Island. Oh, sure. Uh, just in his car with the window rolled down so everybody could just come up and say, like, hey, Joe, I need this. Or, I'm and those were the this. old days. Yeah. He didn't have to worry about somebody shooting him or oh, <laughs> being no. mad at him. but. Um, yeah, I mean, that, see, those are, the, those are the old, those are like the Tip O'Neill kind of pol politicians, right. but, you know. But, I mean, why, why can't we have that now? Well, I think because there seems to be a lot of hate out there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, you're, if you've felt any of it, well, <laughs> not I personally. Can't, I can't deny that that is one of the reasons that I decided to run. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm just, I mean, if there's anything positive to come out of the vicious pile that you get back and forth in D.C., it's that people are starting to realize that their vote matters yes. and that you need to get involved if you want things to change. And this right. is how I decided to get involved. You know, Tip O'Neill, by the way, who uh, was also first elected to the state legislature at 25. Oh, there you go. Boy, you've got those down pat. Oh, <laughs> is well, there anybody I mean, else I should know? Tip, Tip's also been an a, uh, inspiration of mine, too. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, I want to be that kind of, you know, leader who is willing mm -hmm. to give up credit to get something done. and prioritize action over ideas, not kind of headline grabbing or anything like that. Right. Maybe a little bit more of a technocrat. Well, good for you. Um, so, opioid crisis, climate change, housing, did you say? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we all know that ar around here, housing costs are just rising every day. Right. And for young people and seniors, in fact, it's yeah. hard to stay here. Even mm -hmm. if you're working full time or if you've worked and are now on a pension, mm -hmm. it's incredibly hard to stay uh, afloat on the Upper Cape. Mm -hmm. And solutions to that are twofold. 
It's not only increasing our affordable housing stock, mm -hmm. either by you know smart implementations of new housing stock, you know, like at the Wing School in Sandwich, which right. I think is going to be a great opportunity yeah. for seniors, but um, or also maybe offering something like a tax credit for people who rent under a certain threshold. Right. Um, so that way we're not building new infrastructure in an already pretty burdened landscape. Right. Um, but another factor of that is transportation. You know, we have virtually no public transportation on the Cape. Well, don't, wait a minute, don't tell uh, Tommy Geher that. Well, he's doing, <laughs> he's doing incredible work. Right, he's doing a yeoman's job with yeah, that. Yeah, he is, know, but um, he's not getting enough help. And yeah. I, think he, uh, I think we need more public transportation mm -hmm. around here, um, both in terms of any sort of increased rail service, mm -hmm. um, broader bus coverage, um, and I think we all should be, should be looking into the expansion of sort of the recreational things we have around here, like expanding the Shining Sea Bikeway in Falmouth up to the um, Cape Cod Canal Bikeway. Which that someone could bike straight from uh, yeah. Falmouth to Sandwich without uh, endangering themselves on busy or roads. Or Sandwich to Falmouth. Right. <laughs> Start here. <laughs> That's how I can door knock over the summer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, um, and other than housing, are there other smaller things on your agenda? Um, there is. I mean, there's... Of course, they're all big. They're all, you know, sometimes I feel it's almost overwhelming. There are so many things. But. It, it is. I mean, it's, those are the things that I'm prioritizing. Right. Um, because I think those are the things that are most urgently requiring mm -hmm. uh, action from the state level. Right. I mean, when it comes down to it, government is supposed to help people. Right. And when we decide, well, what projects are we going to do? Government should be prioritizing those things that aren't in private interest to do on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no profit motive for roads, but we do them anyways because it's something that we all need to do together in order to run right. our lives effectively. Right. right. It's funny. I, I just I was in Boston, and Chris is I, as I'm sitting here thinking to myself, oh, I should bring this up. Uh, a very famous historian just spoke in Boston at uh, uh, Symphony Hall, and I was fortunate enough to get to go with my husband. And uh, he was talking about, you know, all, he talked about all the presidents mm -hmm. from George Washington, little snippets about all of them. But he said, he said, up until Reagan, because it, and it, it, they called it the Roosevelt era, mm -hmm. because it, the thought was, if government can do it for you and do it better, then let the government do it. Mm -hmm. And when Reagan came in, that all ended, right. totally ended. And now people are going, but wait, the government doesn't do anything for me. Well, it could have, but you know, it was stopped. I mean, obviously it's different kinds of views, conservative, liberal, all those things. Mm -hmm. But there must be a happy medium in there somewhere. Because that's, you know, I grew up on a farm in the Midwest and my father, who had been a Republican until Eisenhower, and he had to dump his milk out on the ground, um, became a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And he said, if government can do it for you better, then, then let them help you do it. Right. And he goes, because who is the government? And I was, of course, a kid when I don't know. And he goes, we're the government. We're the ones. We put the people in. We can vote people out. Yeah, so. I think it should be constantly aspirational. Yeah. Saying, what yeah. can we do better? Right. Because I mean, the reason that political uh, concepts are discussed in terms of issues are right. because those are the problems that people are facing. Right. And what we're trying to do, whether you're Republican or Democrat or neither, Mm -hmm. is say, well, how are we best going to address that problem? Mm -hmm. But I think if government is not always forward, uh, looking forward, mm -hmm. then it's not doing its job. Mm -hmm.
you know, they, there was something that um, they described the imperial presidency, you know, and that the presidency is like a glove mm -hmm. where um, it always expands to fit the hand that's wearing it, but it never quite shrinks back to mm -hmm. the size that it was before. Right. Um, and we're seeing that a lot um, now where, you know, the president can ro roll back a lot of the things that the previous president did. Which he's done. Right. Um, so, I mean, that, and that's a factor of us not taking advantage of the system that we have in place. Well, it you checks know? and balances. Exactly. You know, so uh, the sort of bottom-up approach to government is what has always worked best. Right. What is affecting the community and how can we Im uh, employ a community-oriented sure. response to it? Sure. You know, and the state needs to be enabling that and the federal government even more, but of course we're not seeing that nowadays. No, no, we're not. So, you live in Falmouth, you're running, what's this district called? I always forget. This is the Plymouth and Barnstable District. Plymouth They're, and Barnstable yeah, named District. Named after the counties that the towns Those are in. Those are in, okay. Which covers Falmouth, Bourne, mm -hmm. Sandwich, Plymouth, yep. Uh, Kingston yep. and Plimpton. Pembroke. Oh, Pembroke, not Plimpton. <laughs> All right, five, on the other five side. out of six, that's that, great. Yeah, well, what can I tell you? I still think it's weird, uh, but they didn't ask me, so I guess it's okay. Um, so, uh, well, if you had one last parting thought, what would you like to leave people with? Because, you know, Sandwich, I mean, we're picked up, we're fortunate, we're picked up in a lot of communities on the Cape and mm -hmm. off Cape. However, that said, we have a lot of older viewers, you know, the ones who can't sleep at two o'clock in the morning. So right. what would you want to say to them? I think one of the things that is have, making people have trouble sleeping, it certainly is for me, is just how divided we seem to be. Mm -hmm. So I think my parting thought would just be that there is reason to be optimistic about the future and you should mm -hmm. be optimistic about mm -hmm. the future. There's no better day to be born in the United States than today. Right. And tomorrow will be even better. And that's because of the innovation that we see in technology and science and mm -hmm. medicine and business. And my job and the job of everybody in public service is to make sure that government catches up. So Excellent. that's what I'm working on. If anybody wants to learn more about me, you can find out more at thomasmokley.com. It's M-O-A-K-L-E-Y. As in Joe Moakley. <laughs> right. But also Thomas Moakley. Also now Thomas Moakley. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, well, you've got a great last name, there's no doubt about it. Um, I wish you the best. Thank you. You're Thanks a, for making the time a, for me today. You're a nice man, and um, as I said, he does, you do knock on doors, because you I knocked do. on mine. Yes. <laughs> so it was great talking with you. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Thomas Moakley, what a great man. Oh my goodness, he's very smart. Went to Georgetown. He's young. He's very energetic, and I think might be a good fit for State Senate, but who knows? That'll be up to you. In any case, I want to thank you for joining me today, and I'll catch you next time on another Cape Conversation. Cape Conversation is a Sandwich Community TV podcast hosted by Melinda Gallant. You can listen to her and all of our other audio shows through Spotify at Sandwich Community TV or directly on our website at www.sandwichcommunitytv.org. Stay tuned for future content.